This is Osin Cocktail. Hi, I'm Kirby Plessis. I have 20 years experience in intelligence analysis and OSINT, and I'm the founder of Plessis.net. You can find me online on Twitter as Curbster. And I'm Cynthia Navarro, and I've been a private investigator since 1979 and went into using OSINT for my investigations in 1997. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Finnegan's Way. Welcome back to the, to the podcast, Osin Cocktail. Today we're talking with Patrick Bruce. He is in London, but he's originally from Romania, and he's going to give us a little bit of his background. Patrick, tell us about you. So first of all, thank you for having me, and um, hi, everybody. So my name is Patrick. I started my career in the private investigation sector seven years ago, I think, in, uh, in Eastern Europe, in Romania where I covered a couple of markets. I was looking uh, for investigation in Romania, Moldova, Ukraine, and Russia at that time, just before Crimea, and it was a different a different market landscape. I conducted a wide range of investigations, so ranging from due diligence, fraud investigations, financial investigations, background checks, you know, the common ones, and also on the reputational side, also been engaged in doing some training on online investigations because there was also a change in mentality in the market where we found that more information can be found online and instead of sending you know the officers on the field to collect that information and provide that to the analysts. So I started in, in, uh, in Bucharest, then I had international contracts and at the end of 2019, I decided to move to London to have a global career in in the field and i moved to a very interesting industry which was brand protection and i worked for a global company with multiple brands covering their trademarks and also later on on content protection so also looking for you know uh, pirated content on the internet and dealing more with copyright infringement where I'm actually, what I'm actually doing now for a publishing group. So I looked for trademarks before, which a really interesting area, but afterwards I, I moved to the copyright area and currently I work uh, for the published company in, in London. All right. So when you're doing a trademark or a copyright, that kind of work, how do you find the differences between typical OSINT investigators who may be looking for criminals or maybe nation information compared to big, working with big companies? Yeah, so I would say that the IP, intellectual property crime, is a polycriminal by nature. So you are dealing with scams, phishing, money laundering, fraud, all of these areas in investigations. And I think that the investigation principles are the same. So if you understand the the tradecraft, like looking at the website, uh, service providers, then coming to the operators, usernames, emails, phone numbers, addresses. There are many similarities with other types of investigations. But I think is this area of content protection, the actors, are they have good OPSEC models, I would say. They know how to hide is much more challenging and also because of the internet which is 
highly fragmented and it's really, you know, difficult at the same time. I mean, you do the investigations, but you are doing that with a purpose in mind, which is the enforcement and disruption and uh, dismantling the networks operating on the internet. So in order to have that, it's a long process. And at the same time, you have to work with law enforcement agencies to, to dismantle those networks operating on the internet. Do you find yourself, um, some of the people you're investigating turn out to be organized crime as well? Yes. So, do, yeah, during the investigation, yeah, we, we found and find actually these actors being part of larger criminal gangs and criminal networks. It starts like, you know, looking at the website, but also looking at, uh, you know, their payment processors, looking at the, their crypto wallets which is more and more adopted, not just Bitcoin, but, you know, we see like Ethereum and we see Ethereum domains because you can register having an Ethereum wallet or address, you can register domains and starts, you know, to, to be much more uh, challenging and also interesting at the same time. I mean, for example, in this space now, a new player, I would say, or a service provider is uh, in the interplanetary file system where you can distribute uh, and store content in, in a centralized manner. And it's really interesting. It's, it's similar to BitTorrent protocol, but uh, it's more resilient. It's, uh, you know, and uh, it has, it has a, different, a different technology on the backend. So it's uh, really, really interesting, yeah. Okay, so you mentioned it's kind of like BitTorrent in that kind of structure, I guess. It just brought to mind, does this, does the ways you do investigations have uh, much to do with the way that the music industry really had to fight against the different torrent tools, that sort of thing? Are you yes. Similarities? Yes. So it is similar, but we are not going after the, the end users. We are going after the, you know, larger threats uh, that are more visible and impacting, you know, the industry. I would say that some of these networks, you know, because they, as I said, so I said they have complex mechanism in place. They have uh, payment providers, they have advertising providers, they have some bulletproof hosting provider that facilitate their infrastructure at the same time. They have some shell companies and here it comes the money laundering schemes and be because they use money mules, you know, to receive money, wash the money and afterwards transfer the money to the, to the end uh, admins. So it's a very complicated landscape, I would say, uh, in an infrastructure. And especially if you have like offshore hosting providers or bulletproof hosting providers, some jurisdictions like Belize, Seychelles, and they multiplied, you know, recently. They more and more are coming, even if some of the players has been around since, you know, a few years, as they don't change, you know, so uh, quickly, I would say, but new ones are coming they have good operation OPSEC models, I would say. They know how to hide. It's really easy because the policies, like, you know, we have ICANN, we have like RIPE, we have some of the internet bodies that are overseeing these internet structures, I would say, or internet, regional internet structures. But there's still, you know, a lot of loopholes or there are gaps that are exploited in this ecosystem. And it's easy to, you know, create these hotspots, I would say, of uh, criminality. So it's always like we are trying to move in the direction that these actors 
are you know uh, moving but we try to catch moves on the market and i think this is one function of oxin to anticipate future uh, movements future intentions uh, their scope can you describe what bulletproof means to someone who might not understand that part yeah so is entity it is an entity that somehow hides the ownership of of their operations and at the same time so you can be based in uh, in Belize for example and rent servers in the Netherlands or in other places at the same time you can live uh, somewhere else but somehow it's not traceable not because companies in an offshore you hide your ownership and at the same time you have other facilities like for hiding money uh, hiding funds and operating these uh, services from um, another location quick question for you how how are you collaborating with law enforcement and then within the private sector to keep up on all of this because there's as you said the framework of it is a lot and and trying to keep up with it you really have to work with everyone else especially when it's on a criminal you don't have any problems if you know if it's civil or something it's it's different working with some folks but when you're looking at it on a criminal side you can all work together because you have the same goals so are do you have any collaboration that you're doing yes of course so one step in raising awareness about these threats you know and uh, online criminality is by engaging with the law enforcement so locally for example in the UK we have the police intellectual property crime unit and they have a specific department within i mean this is a this specific department within city of london police and they also attend conferences for example and other events worldwide so private sector is uh, for example invited to these conferences so we can attend the interpol ip crime conference or the europol ip crime conference so in this kind of environments we try to build relationships and contacts and also raise awareness about our problems in the industry of course there are multiple brands and with other priorities we but we try at the same time they also are interested to know more because in some of the cases uh, you know the customs they make seizures so they want to collaborate with uh, the brand owner but not in all the cases the brand owner is, is open to share some information uh, because sometimes it's sensitive or others don't have like enough resourcing to collaborate so there are a couple of issues but i think this is changing and we see more and more engagement yeah that makes a huge difference uh years ago when i was doing anti piracy work we worked with all and it was for software for adobe systems we worked with all the other software companies daily and then i think we did the first book to give to law enforcement how to identify uh when we were looking for pirated product that was out there what to look for to identify it so what you're doing now within the OSINT world is really the same thing but you you need something visually to give to some folks that are newly coming into the position and trying to understand it so is there something that's out there that anyone that's listening now and they're trying to get into this and get better knowledge of it where you could refer them to to get more more help and understanding of what's going on. 
Yeah, I would say that a lot of the work in our industry is also within the associations where we learn from each other and we share information and knowledge about you know, the market and threats. But I think this kind of environment, like I mentioned, like Interpol IP Crime Conference is, good, is a good environment where the law enforcement, also the private sector, have the opportunity to apply or submit some in private session, for example, to do an interactive session on OSINT investigations applied to a trademark infringements, let's say like Nike or uh, Louis Vuitton or something. And you can show them, you know, because it's not just the OSINT investigation, but it's the brand features. You have to understand how to identify that that brand is a counterfeit, how to identify uh, like looking at the barcode, looking at some specific uh, features that are important, like for any any product. But I would also say, so conferences is one way you know, to interact with law enforcement. You can also reach out to them. I know that is is that like I would say that world that some people are seeing that oh we don't get enough feedback because and this is the kind of work it's it's more sensitive it's different but I've seen more partnerships I've seen more openness from the law enforcement and especially for example in the film industry you know the Motion Picture Association they have the Alliance for Creativity and Entertainment and they are really global approach and in their action started to roll their program regionally to approach other members, bring awareness and work with local law enforcement in order to disrupt and dismantle some of the criminal networks operating for a couple of years. Yeah, that makes a, a huge difference because if you're not working together, it's, it's just not going to happen. You have to have a lot of collaboration between everyone. And I think that's the the main thing. But on the OSINT side, it's it's really the same because we essentially, years ago, were doing OSINT. It just was different. It wasn't even called that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that just kind of reminded me, especially when we talk about associations, you were just at the Osmosis Conference and you were doing one of the bits and bytes tables. Can you tell us what you were working on there? Of course, yeah, I'll be glad to do that. So, yeah, my session was on uh, privacy-enhancing technologies and it's one of the areas which will highly affect the OSINT investigations and is already affecting, you know, not just the private sector OSINT investigation, but also the law enforcement investigations and enforcement. During this session, you know, I tried to provide an overview of our privacy-enhancing technologies, how they are impact the investigations and enforcement, some of the types, I mean, looking at uh, secure messaging apps such as Signal, Session, uh, email, pure email services, uh, Proton Mail, for, for example, based out of Switzerland or Tutanota based out of Germany. I looked also at some uh, anony- anonymous crypto like Monero or Zcash. So some of these service providers and entities that now value, you know, and enhance privacy and security. And also at the same time, the legislation is going in that direction. Seen in um, in California, we've seen now a lot of states, for example, that deregister from open corporates. So something is changing in, you know, in the landscape and um, also the prat- platforms and the main ones where we've, done a lot of investigation like uh, Facebook, Mac, Meta, uh, Twitter, X, 
all of them are changing. We have somehow to adapt to this, adjust our methods and techniques of uh, investigations. But this is, you know, for, for, for the private sector, I would say, but for the law enforcement, it's a new area, I would say, where they have to go overseas, build relationships with the local law enforcement, understand the legislation there and what, and also the terms and conditions of the service provider, like Proton Mail, for example, what information that they store and uh, for how long, I mean, the retention policy, what information they can get afterwards, is that full and relevant to pivot to another data point to identify the operator or the, the end user. So I think uh, there are many changes with, uh, you know, privacy enhancing technologies. And I will um, focus more next year on this. I, I want to extend the research into these uh, service providers and possibly, I don't know, write, write some more comprehensive research on this. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's needed. I, I would say you're you're very correct within here in California on the changes. There's a task force that's locally that's run by the district attorney's office in Santa Clara. Um, it's called React, and they're doing all crypto. Uh, and But they're expanding the trainings to local law enforcement, again, collaborating with everyone, trying to bring in that information and share it. And it's been really successful. Erin West is the one that is spearheading it uh, when she started out. And she's done an amazing job. She's been to the UK. She's been all over uh, the world going and doing training. And that's how we get it done is, is by talking and training and not stopping. If you talk, you have to talk yeah. about it continuously because when you have a lapse, you're going to lose it. So your research will be real important. And, and also trying to to explain to some people that don't even know anything about crypto. That's the whole problem within this area. They're just not knowledgeable. They don't get that training. They don't have the funds for training. Going with each other will make a difference and everything will be important. You're saying the keyword training a lot, Cynthia. I wanted to ask uh, Patrick, how much training are you doing? Because I know that you provide training to people as well. Yeah, so I tried to do some conferences where I speak to the community, to the large, try to target a larger community of also young people getting into the industry, but also intermediary and advanced people. I think there is a need for more intermediary and advanced training because some of them, you know, some of the conferences are made for, you know, like beginners, I would say. And we tried this, we try, I mean, I think couple of years, like we've seen the Ocean Curious project, they started like to educate the market globally uh, and other initiatives, I would say that was amazing then and, you know, fantastic and fantastic uh, work. But I think now I know that, you know, there is still that demand, but I think we should, I mean, some of the people that have more experience in the field, they should also go up and also do some intermediate and advanced level. But it's, it's difficult because, as you know, Cynthia said, is we have these applications or crypto or other stuff, you know, like interplanetary file system, and people are not familiar with these technologies. You know how how they work, how we can um, find infringements on them, how we can work with them. So it's it's a difficult uh, situation here. Yeah. So, but in, in terms of on on training, I would say yeah. So. Try to do conferences. I 
try to, you know, engage with other people for training. I'm trying also to do training for law enforcement. So I'm also exploring, for example, different sessions to, you know, Europol or Interpol. If I have the opportunity to, to give us, you know, a training, definitely I will be happy to do so. And of course, we do have some webinars that you've given for my company that are that are available for people to look up as well. Okay, mm-hmm. let's, our, our podcast is generally about tools. So I want to ask you, what is your hardware station look like? like? What do you have? What are you using for your investigations? Okay, so in terms of hardware, I use two laptops, two Lenovo laptops, and one uh, monitor for uh, reporting and uh, data visualization. I also use for um, OPSEC, uh, I use uh, YubiKey, also for passwords, some external um, hard drives, but also using cloud, Google Cloud or Amazon Cloud, for example, because now everything is, you know, uh, everything is a cloud and it provides much, much more storage, I would say. I also use Chasm, uh, where which is providing like a, a Docker uh, container, you know, and you can switch between different uh, environments or different sessions. You know, you can have Hunchly as an image browser, for example, um, Hunchly is a case management I use for case management and to capture everything I browse via Google Chrome or Chromium. So I build an image Hunchly in uh, Chasm, and then switch between, for example, go to a Telegram image or go to a Tor browser image. And you can switch between all of these and save formation and be safe at the same time because it's on a different server. So it's, it's protecting your identities. So this is Chasm where I also use, for example, I mean, this is also into the software, going into the software area password manager which is uh, working with yubikey and other other uh, software from um, from proton mail from the from their uh, suite i've been looking also at something interesting uh, you know for like dedicated laptops for investigation uh, i think you are aware of uh, purism in the states so they provide some you know like also smartphones and uh, privacy you know designed smartphones and laptops so i think that that's an interesting also solution i would say for investigation but you need to have you know a dedicated budget for that yeah yeah there's so much you can get if you have a good budget for that kind of stuff but yeah so like what what kind of software do you use so I mean, you have the two laptops. Are these are they both Windows? Do you use Linux on one of them? What other major software? I mean, you talked about Hunchly a little bit. Um, what other kind of software background do you have? Virtual machines, VPNs, that sort of thing. Yeah, so I use. I, I try to be more cost effective. I would say also I'm a bit technical, and you know, I know Python. I know how to build some scripts if I need for to know to scrape a website, to scrape some social media platform. So I go to their APIs, and this is good. But I will start with more general software. You know, I mentioned Hunchly. I use Hunchly combined with Maltigo for importing and exporting data. So there is a Huntley Maltigo transform that can be integrated in Maltigo and do automated investigations and auto network analysis. 
And I think also Maltigo is changing now. They want to uh, also provide uh, case management. So there are a, a couple of changes uh, with Maltigo, but I think their community edition, which is free, has a lot of functionalities, especially for, for the new people. And you can use that to play around, to do the investigation, and to map the networks. You can integrate local transforms. There are a bunch of local transforms and uh, I also share with you a link to some transforms that can be integrated in Maltigo. But the combination with uh, with Hanshi works well because you, know, you have the evidence, you have some entities from Hanshi and you just import and do uh, further investigations. Then I have, besides Maltigo, I, I mentioned Chasm uh, Web, uh, virtual box with different images I can build, for example, Ubuntu, Ubuntu or uh, Debian virtual machine if I need special software on those machines. I use Obsidian for uh, keeping track of my workflows and report building, obsidian.md. Then there is also, for others that don't have like a budget for Chasm web, there is Mozilla Firefox containers. So you can use containers uh, in order to uh, do your investigations and separate your uh, work. And other tools, I would say that so general GitHub tools, use a bunch of them for scraping or um, crawling, username enumeration, e- email investigations. Telegram is an amazing platform for OSINT for me. So I use a lot of Telegram uh, bots for investigations, some free ones and only one commercial that is uh, provided by a company from Spain, Quantica. So that one is called uh, Dante's Gates Bot. And I will provide the, I will provide the link for that as well. I've seen also like interesting move now to Discord and some OSIN people, you know, built uh, Discord bots to automate investigations, you know, from username to email, social media and others. Uh, so very interesting, I would say. So this is like like the new movement, I would say, on the market, you know, with automations like bots and also uh, GPT models. OpenAI, they have a feature by which you can build your own GPT, which is really interesting, I would say, and you can do a lot of automations. You know, I was thinking on uh, as you're going into AI on that, what else have you used within that framework, uh, ChatGPT, uh, anything else within your work? Yeah, so I integrated a couple of uh, plugins uh, into uh, ChatGPT uh, and also played around in, you know, in terms of uh, analytics, I would say. There was a recent GPT model for structured uh, analytic techniques. Which is interesting because I'm also, you know, looking at the methodologies, not just tools, but also like how you can structure better your analysis, which is really interesting. So it's ChatGPT. I've seen um, and looked at some other tools for creating sock puppets, but in this area, I'll say I prefer to do my own, to use my own imagination and creativity to build my sock puppets, as I also like to travel and explore other cultures. And yeah, I think I, I still prefer to do, you know, my own, my own sock puppets. Yeah. All right. Okay. So we do have a f- feature that we call last call 
on this podcast. And that's going to just talk about something new. It might be not, might not be something you use all the time. Maybe something you just discovered or something you use all the time up to you, but one, one link, one tool that you want to bring to everybody's attention. So Patrick, we're going to start with you. What, what tool would you do for your last call? Hmm. That's interesting. Um, because I, I see every day a lot of tools. And recently, recently, I just uh, heard about the new tool that uh, is being developed by Ritu, you know, uh, the forensic OSINT. So I've seen some demonstration on that one, looking at how they, you know, like uh, grab information from an Instagram account and just thought about, you know, the potential um, of this tool. Like if you can like move to privacy enhancing um, apps and also extract the, this inf information, which is, you know, relevant for court and for law enforcement. So I think this one is this one is a very interesting tool, like, you know, um, which will be released soon. Yeah, actually, you took away my tool. You've got another one you have to pick. <laughs> I will. You know what I'll go with? And for beginners, and I don't even mean beginners, because sometimes I need it if depending on what the work I've been doing is the OSINT framework. And that is great because it, it helps you to like, okay, what am I looking up? What do I want to do? And, it, and then it just folds out to many things for you. So that one is osintframework.com. I actually will revert back to that every once in a while. Classic. Doing, you know, again, depending on what you're doing. So yeah. the basics, but it's a good one. Sarah, our producer, Sarah Walmer, do you have a like, link for last call? Sure. The other day I saw an instant and a very interesting um, map on open maps. It's openinframap.org. And there is a page on open inframap that shows all of the or most of the electrical grids across the globe. So if you're doing any kind of investigations dealing with infrastructure, it's a helpful resource. Very cool. Very interesting. Okay. And mine is going to be the Google cloud AI section. So if you go to cloud.google.com and go into the products, there's a section that lets you go and take a look at their AI products. And a lot of them have free usage of them. First, for example, you could throw in their image um, AI tool to have it identify, you know, mood and what objects are there, what keywords are there, that sort of thing. There's a, a lot of different sections of AI that they're working on. And it's really interesting that they give you a chance to kind of put your hands in there. All right. So that wraps us up. I always want to ask Patrick, Patrick, where can people reach you and where are you going to be speaking or presenting next? Right. So um, I think I, I'm not so visible on, uh, on you know, X and uh, I don't like to have like a high visible profile, I would say on social media. I am on LinkedIn. I am still on twitter like yeah you, you can find my my username uh from the previous presentations at sans osin summit uh, this year or different presentation i i gave uh, this year as well i'm planning to be next year at uh, sans osin summit in washington and also osmosis Khan in uh, in las vegas and also other conferences if possible online so yeah all right then we're gonna say goodbye cynthia do you have something to promote before we leave anything coming up yes i'm actually gonna 
tail on again with Patrick. You and I are just in the same sink today. I'm going to give you the dates on that because <laughs> our last episode we didn't I didn't have the date so for osmosis con 2024 it's going to be October 22nd or 20th through 22nd and it'll be at planet Hollywood in Las Vegas awesome and then what I'm going to promote is find the rest of the Austin community if you're listening to this and you're not in the community yet you know, you could look on X and Twitter, but I think that one thing that Patrick had mentioned earlier is Discord. And there's a, I know there's some communities out there on Discord as well as on Telegram. Whatever your favorite app is, you're going to find an OSIN community. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And don't forget to rate us on your favorite podcast app. Also, please share so that we can continue sharing this podcast with you.